podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and it's Thursday so I've got to welcome JP Mason and Declan McConville back onto the Axon Bill and great to see you guys as always. Uh, I'm going to come to you first JP, there's always a, a, a bit of a variable in the background going on with yourself. If I've got Russell Boyce on the show it's a, a change of Adidas tracksuit top <laughs> with you it's a change of a, a football jersey and a magical number. Talk us through it mate. Uh, well, number first of all, 54 days until uh, Champions League qualifier uh, part one. Uh, although it could be 55, uh, but let's not mention that because <laughs> uh, it'll be the 20th or the 21st. So uh, we don't know until the draw is made. But uh, because of the defeat last night, Manchester United experienced, uh, I think Galatasaray are now a potential opponent, uh, if, I'm, if I'm right. Declan, is that right? Yeah, possible. Yeah. yeah, Galatasaray, Rapid Vienna, or and I never get the pronunciation right. Midgetland, the Rasmussen yeah. team. Sviatchenko's team, Midgetland. Midgetland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Midgetland is how I pronounce it. But yeah, yeah, that's the three possibilities, JP. Yeah, and uh, as we're off season, I've just uh, decided to put up a different strip, and uh, that is a Feyenoord strip from I think ninety. 90- Six, maybe 96, 95, something like that. Um, just before um, Larson joined us, and I've uh, always just had, had a, a wee keen interest in Feyenoord over certainly over Ajax. Anyway, my experiences of Ajax fans on on the on, on the road are not uh, enjoyable. So yeah, Feyenoord over them, and Van Hoydonk as well was there. Yeah, well, you know, just before we came on online there um, and I'll share this story I'd, I've got to confess I didn't have a great knowledge of Feyenoord I remember obviously speaking to uh, the likes of David Hay and George Conley about the 1970 final where they defeated Celtic in our second European Cup final this all ties in nicely because we're going to start off by talking about Europe because that's the first fixture anyway and last year it was obviously Feyenoord's 50th anniversary so they were going through the the whole process of the celebrations JP and uh, I met up with uh, Ellen Mannins, who is a, a female representative, uh, a representative of the support at Feyenoord, she was over in Glasgow and she was visiting Celtic Park and she was talking to Celtic historians all around the other side of the coin, if you like. If you imagine us going and doing that with Inter Milan, that's what uh, Ellen was doing, and she gave me a really good insight into the the culture of the club and the fan base uh, as well, JP. And the way she described it was that Ajax were very much like an establishment club, whereas Feyenoord were the people's club I don't know the terminology but that's the way she explained it and we went on to speak about you know the mark made by the likes of Vim Janssen, Pierre Van Hoydonk, Bobby Petter Reggie Blinker and Henrik Larsson um, there's possibly been more 
players who have played for both clubs. But the one thing that really surprised me, JP, was the fact that they were a wee bit kind of like shrugging of the shoulders when it came to Larson. There wasn't a, a, a real, real legacy there. Yeah, he was a useful player, but they weren't raving about him, which I found absolutely astonishing because <laughs> of what he came and done for us. Aye, well, I mean, uh, like I said to you, off air, their loss, our, our gain, um, to think that he just kind of, you know, went left a, a club like Feyenoord with very little fanfare, no kind of walk around the pitch taking the applause or anything like that. It was just kind of like, yep, just got a flight to Glasgow and signed for Celtic and that was it. And he's, his life changed forever uh, and, and so did ours. But uh, yeah. So did ours. And that takes us on nicely to this this chat and I know you guys um, have got a Man United state of mind so uh, sorry about this in advance but the other day there I, I was talking to Lawrence and Natasha on Tuesday and I thought at that point that our potential opponents were Rapid Vienna, Galatasaray and Midgetland and I said that on, on the actual day because I thought that was the case but apparently that would only be the case had Villarreal beat Man United last night so maybe somebody should have been listening to me and putting a few quid on that last night but when I was looking at it though um, and as you say JP it could be 54 or 55 days before qualifier 2 in the Europa League you look at Villarreal and I'm not saying that we are on a par with Villarreal I'm not saying that I know that you know there's so many different uh, variables in that the league you play in um, the, the broadcasting deal and the money that you get in terms of your, your own budget the transfers in and out etc I get all that but I'm looking at what they've done as, as a club where were they 7th in La Liga last season um, I know they've spent money but they've recouped a lot of money as well they've played the transfer market really really well they've got a fantastic manager in place who has got um, you know a, a pedigree in European football and it frustrates me a wee bit to a degree Declan because I, I look at our club and I think we could be a lot smarter and I'm not saying listen we, we're going to be winning a European trophy in the next five years I'm not saying that at all but I think we could do better you know I don't even think we're punching at our weight never mind above our weight Yeah I, I don't think we are and I think you know and, and certainly in the past 10 years um, I think that kind of obsession with the domestic game has set us back a good bit and we've came up against opponents where Yes, we're maybe not always going to beat them. I think back to maybe Valencia and you maybe look at a side like that and think, OK, it's a tough tie. But when you, you look at other games, you know, even in isolation, that Inter Milan game back in 2015, it was, you know, we probably did have a good chance of winning the game that night. And I think it's a real shame that, you know, in, in such a long time, Celtic haven't won a, a knockout tie post-Christmas in Europe um, as in the actual tie, not just winning one of the one of the legs. So yeah, and you know, hats off to Villarreal last night. They got the managerial appointment perfect in Unai Emery. I thought his tactics last night were, you know, he very much so played Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United looked a bit lost in the game. And as you say, they, they played the transfer window really well. They brought in Danny Parejo from Valencia in a free transfer, an experienced midfielder. I don't know what kind of wages he'll be on, but to, to, you know, to play the market well, I think their net spend last summer was £6 million, pounds getting, uh, spending £30 million and bringing in 23 So, mm-hmm. you know, if you work the market well enough to your advantage, you can put yourself in a really good uh, position. Again, like yourself, Paul, I'm not saying that Celtic are going to be another Villarreal, but it just shows you if you get the manager right, you play the market right, and you're ambitious, it can take you to you know, success like that last night. Aye, definitely. Let's um, come back to where we are right now then, JP, if you're ambitious, if you get the manager right and if you get the the transfers Mm -hmm. right. Let's talk about that because that's where we are. You know, we're 54 days away from putting a a team on the park to play um, a tie that, you know, when you look at the names, they're tough, they're tough. Every single one of them is a tough game. Uh, I was also looking at, obviously, with the new European competition coming in, if you fail to win that, you bounce out and you enter the Europa League at the third qualifying stage. If you fail to win that, you bounce out and you enter the conference league playoff so it's all fair and well but you want to obviously be at the top table particularly after the uh, the loss of revenue over the last year you want to be at that Champions League table of course you do but it's going to be tough as hell um, let's talk about the, the manager situation first of all because Declan's given us management transfers ambition let's talk about the manager there's always something to say one thing I can say is that uh, we know um, that this is a, a long drawn out saga 
we're not going to make any predictions, JP, that it's going to happen whilst we're on uh, air in the next 45 minutes or so. But what I can confirm is Peter Grant will not be part of Eddie Howe's managerial team. We su- we've seen the, the tweet uh, yesterday there, Johnny King, Bournemouth, physio has left the club. You know, Celtic fans are looking for any kind of information to say this is the team coming together for Eddie. But I can confirm that Peter Grant will not be part of Eddie Howe's team. And that's because and I don't know how widely known this is, he was in Dunfermline yesterday. He was in Dunfermline yesterday for his second meeting with the club and he will be announced tomorrow as Dunfermline Athletics Manager. Um, When are we going to get an Eddie Howe announcement, JP? And that will lead us on to the season ticket uh, debacle from yesterday as well. Well, I mean, I certainly can't answer that question, but, you know, given that the... I guess it was the physio yesterday that announced he was leaving. You know, all, all these things, if it is so many people that are all coming together, that doesn't just happen. You don't you don't just leave one job and go straight to the other. You know, there, there could be all sorts of contractual things that extend it uh, and, and, and mean that, you know, you have to wait a bit of time, maybe a bit longer, whatever. And there isn't any players at Celtic Park just now anyway. So <laughs> you'd like to think that if he has agreed to take the job, He's already doing work in the background. It's just a case of we're waiting on the, all the staff coming together and then you know announcing it all together. But I mean, there's, he's obviously able. He's got eyes. He can watch footage. He can assess players. He can speak to players probably um, and find out if they are definitely for the off. You know, I'm sure he could pick up the phone to Christopher Iyer and say, right, what, what, what's your thinking? Are you are you done here or what? If you are, that's cool. Thanks for your service. Um, I'll look to sign another centre half slash midfielder slash right back and uh, and we'll we'll move on. But I I I'm I'm relaxed about it. <laughs> I'm, I, I, a lot of people I saw a lot of people getting worried yesterday because the season ticket thing came out and everyone was like, oh, that's it. it, it the how deals bust and you know who who are we going to get and folk are jokingly saying Yogi Hughes. No disrespect to Yogi Hughes, love love the guy, but. He's not, he's not going to be the Celtic manager um, and there's just a lot of, like, Twitter can become a really mental place <laughs> when 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 when, when rumours are just shucked in and, and think, well obviously on the back of the, the season ticket announcement but there's, there was clearly a reason why Celtic had to do that yesterday and I'm pretty sure it was to do with financial structure uh, paydays, wages things like that so um you know, they were probably their hand was probably forced that it had to be yesterday. Um because I saw someone complaining today saying, Oh, thanks very much, Celtic. Um I've uh, I've got to pay full I've got to pay six hundred pounds in less than a month or something like that. So if you were to leave it any longer, you're you're dropping, you know, financial bombs on people when, you know, they've not got the ability to pay or whatever, if they pay full price straight away or instead of the instalments. So um yeah, I'm 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 relaxed about it. I mean, I'm looking at that and again, trying um, to be as balanced as possible because I look at obviously the comments coming in when I'm not presenting the show as well, JP. And I know that uh, yesterday it was quite difficult actually for Colin and Kevin because they're live when the announcement's made. So it's appeared it's appeared online whilst they're live. He predicted what they were offering as well, which is mental. He actually said that it'll be yeah. like a token thing or whatever and he, he absolutely nailed it, which was pretty cool. I know. And, and some people were saying, you know, one minute you're asking for added value, the next minute the board give you the added value and then you're still not happy. You guys are never happy. I've seen a lot of kind of comments like that. But I think the majority, Declan McConville of Celtic fans yesterday, reacted in the same way. And that was uh, with disappointment because when you're looking at, let's say, added value and we're going to move on to what I've been banging on about for a while, this membership scheme, um, whereby I suggested after the fans forum that that you attended, um, I was there, but uh, only as an observer on this occasion. Uh, But after the event, I've emailed JP Taylor, who always gets back to you. I've got to give him massive kudos, especially under the circumstances that we're currently experiencing. Always gets back to you. And I said, listen, why on earth is a club like Celtic not looking at a membership scheme because you think about uh, the music industry, JP, you've got massive, massive knowledge, uh, the inner workings of that. If the last year has told us anything, it's that there needs to be alternative income streams for bands, for musicians either up and coming or established because when you remove the, the massive part of that which has become 
the the live circuit, the touring circuit, it leaves a, a, a hole that simply cannot be filled. Celtic have got themselves into that situation as well, and most big clubs have when it comes to season tickets. Not only that, but within the confines of Scottish football, where season tickets um, are far more important because they're a huge proportion of your, your income, then if you put all your eggs in that basket, then you are going to struggle massively unless you hit the absolute peak season on season. So when I'm looking at that, Declan, I think, well, let's tap into Celtic's worldwide fan base. You know, we have got tens of millions of fans worldwide. A lot of them are probably supporting from afar, you know, investing when they can in things like merchandise and stuff like that. But it's not as easy for them even to purchase from uh the superstore, let's say, or uh, get to games. Of course it isn't. But a membership scheme would allow them to invest in a club in a different way. Now, So you're talking like of a year, a couple of hundred quid. And from that, you get access to things like obviously Celtic TV. And the Celtic TV should be giving us all the games, including the women's game and also the, the Colts games. It should give you um, access that otherwise you wouldn't get. You know, if you're a member, you get access, you get discounts in the store, etc., etc., etc. There's a whole line of things that they could pull together. But then what would happen is, there's your added value as a Celtic supporter moving on because we don't know when we're getting back to the ground. So we are, in effect, you know, going to have the same kind of access as someone in the States or in New Zealand or in Australia. So give us that and give us it as part of the season ticket. But then moving forward after uh, the next year, once we're back in the stadiums, the membership thing still exists and can still be marketed to the worldwide fan base. I think that that would be a wee bit more inventive, a wee bit more creative than what happened yesterday, Declan. Talk to me about your reaction and what the club need to do better in that respect. Yeah, um, I think at first, you know, being broke on a daily record story again was a disappointment. I think from the fans' perspective, again, why does uh, news need to be broke through a tabloid newspaper rather than official club channels? So again, don't know why that's happening. Somebody's obviously tailoring a newspaper that or, or whatnot, and then the package that we got, the figure we'd been told initially at the fans' forum roughly was something in the region of £200, if you remember, Paul, yeah. um, by the finance director, Chris McKay, and it's probably nowhere near that kind of marked number. Um, what we're getting, I've just got it here in front of me here, pre-season friendly, past the paradise, three games on that, free entry to a training day, free entry to one women's game, free digital programmes all season, 10% off Celtic Soccer Academy, entry into a monthly draw for merchandise and 20% off tours and restaurant. I think it's very limited. I think it's very light heavy. I think if you'd possibly come up with something that you're suggesting there, Paul, that is a lot bigger in scope and a big list. I don't think anybody would have moaned if it was then, you know, buy a jersey and get your name in the back it for free and a discount for the shop and something to do with Celtic TV, even a discount on that. Just a big list that you would eventually, nobody would have anything to moan about. But I think it's maybe a bit too narrow in what's there. Obviously, a £50 voucher for the shop, excluding that, which is only valid up until the end of September. Um, it's a bit light-heavy, and it's, you know, if you're maybe if you're a £50 season ticket holder for a kid under 13, it's quite a good deal. You're getting a basically a free season ticket last year and a £50 voucher but you know it's not the kid that's paying that it's the adult that's paying that and they have as we know we're going through a situation just now which isn't normal and people may be struggling for different reasons through finances and jobs and work and whatnot. so I think it's quite light heavy and something a wee bit more sustainable as your suggestion suggests would possibly be a good idea it'd be a good revenue for Celtic to commit this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Two, it'd be a bit more imaginative, and it would certainly give a lot more people around the world a more um, collective feeling, an idea of being part of the club rather than maybe just being 
as you say, just buy a jersey every season and that's yeah. it. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of suggestions, brilliant suggestions actually, um, yesterday. And one of them was, I think, from Etims, who said that, uh, you know, fans, is there any way that the fans can somehow give the, the vouchers to the Kano uh, so they can go and buy kind of merch for the kids and scarves and all that kind of stuff, Declan? Have you seen that gathering any kind of momentum? Seems like a good idea. Yeah, well, you know, I'd be. Up for that idea last season, my, my bus bought a, a season ticket for the Kano. So, you know, and again, I don't think the club have been too accommodating with the Kano again, which is really, really disappointing because they do fantastic work. There's a lot of great people involved with the Kano Foundation. So that would be a good idea. But again, you know, we saw in the, the FAQs yesterday that if you don't use your voucher up, it's going to go back into the club. So, you know, something like that would be a lot better alternative than it just going back in. I don't think £50 shop vouchers are going to do much for a rebuild. Well, uh, the wording was interesting, JP, wasn't it? Mm. If you don't uh, use it, it will it will go towards the rebuild. I felt there was a wee bit of a guilt trip on that one as well. But I mean, I did see a lot of negativity surrounding it yesterday. What was your thoughts as a season ticket holder and a, a season ticket holder who has been um, a, a season ticket holder for many many years? What was your reaction yesterday, JP? Well, I mean, with regards to the added value and what we may or may not get for last season. I'd started to write that off as sort of any real uh, possibility of getting any, you know, like the likes of getting like a hundred, two hundred quid back. I, I just think that was there was it was never going to happen. Is financially for the club to undertake that? I don't know if they could have done that. Um, and when I listened to Kev yesterday saying that he thought it would be a token as a token gesture of something and then within about 10 minutes of him saying that the next thing it was announced that we would be getting a, a 50 pound voucher um I, I don't think 50 pound voucher is the end of the world in terms of, of 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 something to give back it's such a weird situation that we're in whereby everybody thought that we would, like Colin was saying yesterday everybody thought we would be back in the ground the club thought we would be back in the ground you know, probably before the end of last year. Mm-hmm. It's not worked out that way. We're still living through this bizarre scenario where we can't go to games. My concern now is, is really of, of shelling out another £600 for the season coming and not being able to go to all the games. I mean, how the hell are they going to decide who goes to the games, you know, going forward? I mean, that that's, that's an, a nightmare scenario for, for everyone concerned because... I don't think it should be about postcode. I've said that before. I, I think that's unfair. Um, why somebody should get preference if they're, a, if they're paying the same money and they have been paying the same money potentially for longer than I have. I've been a season ticket holder in my seat since I think 2013. I had a, a four-year hiatus um, away from the club. Uh, not self-imposed, I might add. Um, but prior to that, I was a season ticket holder for 10 years. So... Um, but but there's people obviously you know go further back than me so and they might live in Dumfries or something like that you know and just travel up mm-hmm. so I don't think it should be that that way decided and so that is my concern really is going forward about shelling out another six hundred pounds and then when when is the point that I actually get to go and sit in my seat and cheer on the famous Glasgow Celtic. Yeah, another concern for me, JP, and I've got to admit this, is that because of the the way the momentum um, is at the moment, uh, you look at the situation with Celtic and it's um, a bit like Groundhog Day at the moment, waiting on the the new manager coming in. It's been a long time since uh, Neil Lennon departed, uh, 54 days to the first fixture, potentially. Uh, So the mood is low. The mood in the camp is pretty low. I know that you're not panicking just yet, JP. You're quite relaxed about the gaffer. But the mood is low, and just about anything that the club come away with um, is met with just a barrage online. You you, you see it. You think to yourself, I bet whoever's looking after social media duties at the moment just presses tweet and then puts the phone down for a bit because it just goes into meltdown. And I get that. It's frustrating as hell, and there's a huge huge amount of uh, frustration and uh, disappointment amongst the Celtic fans on the flip side what you've got is anything that Rangers launch at the moment is going to sell out is going to be maximised they're going to buy into it and that puts them financially in a far far better position than otherwise would be the case because we know that obviously in order to get to the point where they have become league champions they have over invested you know we all know that that's not 
you know, sour grapes on my part. They won the, the, the league this season because they were the best team in Scotland. I mean, we all know that, right? But what I'm trying to say is the, the pendulum has swung in their direction and what I don't want is, you know, the double whammy of everything they release selling out then they do what Gerard seems to have done in the last couple of seasons and negotiated maybe some tricky ties and get into the promised land of the Champions League riches. And then that one league win, Declan, becomes massive because it sets us back even further. That's my biggest concern, I've got to admit. Yeah, that is a worry. Um, you know, and you know, Champions League probably in terms of the way they've played in Europe the past couple of seasons, they, they probably could negotiate their way through those ties, which is something that, you know, we were talking about teams on like Rapid Vienna and uh, Galatasaray. If that was the other team playing them, I think they'd be a lot more confident about beating them with the way they've, they've played sides in Europe, including the team over JP's shoulder. Um, so that is a worry. But, um, you know, if the club does their, their due diligence properly and gets the right manager in and gets the right players in, there's no reason why we can't go back and wrestle the league title back next season and get that automatic place in the Champions League the year after yeah it might become a wee bit more competitive but um, in terms of finances there probably is maybe a worry in the Celtic camp that they might be coming up to level par with one another due to that Champions League money but you know there's a still a bit to go in terms of who's in the door what transfers we bring in how we get on in Europe all will be you know decided soon but um, in terms of you know that media onslaught is constant and you know I saw a point yesterday that people were saying, yeah, in 2014, the season tickets were out before Ronnie got the job. But that year was when the league championship. Mm-hmm. So we're in a completely different situation here. In 2014, we were sitting as league winners. At this point in time, we're not. And it's, you know, we weren't in a pandemic either. So it's going to be a lot harder, I think, for some people who will probably be peed off this season to maybe actually part with their money. I, I, I was expecting a charm offensive JP, I was expecting the club to come out and, uh, you know, throw that blanket over us and, and, you know, get us all kind of working together again. I'm not, I'm not getting that from the Celtic support at the moment. I'm looking at a situation where I'm even seeing um, a lot of doubt creeping in. What if, you know, the what if question, what if Eddie Howe doesn't come? Why is it taking so long? There's a few comments coming in. I'm going to start off with Kaplow Mark. Uh, a lot of people say you always bring up Kaplow Mark. That's because he's normally the first guy to actually uh, comment on it. So thanks for your support there. Um, he's come up with a couple of uh, comments. The whole appointment of a new manager has become embarrassing as uh, it is a circus. I've seen that word getting used a couple of times. Uh, the only club who talked to a candidate that he can't sign for three months. It's now become laughable. And I've also seen similar doubts creeping in JP around Dominic Mackay. So, you know, we're looking at the situation with Peter Lowell as the CEO, where we're wanting change at the club. We got change. And I just think that because there's been such a lack of communication um, that, you know, people are starting to doubt things as well. They're doubting, you know, what if this guy's not the right man for the job? What if Eddie Howe doesn't come to the club? Um, Do you think that one announcement of Eddie Howe will wash away a lot of that? Yeah, I do. I really do. I think... If, if what they are trying to do is line up all their ducks in a row and make it a big splash with, you know, everybody being announced at the same time, potentially including players as well, who's to say that we aren't doing business on players right now behind the scenes? Because, you know, uh, it's feasible. Like, I know that Declan said, oh, why was the, rec- the record told about um, about the, the, the thing yesterday? But, you know, the papers aren't told everything by the club, I don't think, and they're not going to be t- doing their, uh, their sort of transfer business and telling the, the, telling the, pe- uh, the papers that. I think if they've got something that they really, really want to keep as a, as a sort of, uh, you know, some, a, a rabbit out of the hat type thing, then, uh, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that could be going on behind the scenes right now that we don't know about. Um, I think I think the, the paranoia and the... the disenfranchise uh, way that the Celtic support are feeling right now is because we've not been at the games. We are feel, we feel so disconnected from the club because we've not even been in the ground. You know, we've not even sat in a seat. We've not even, you know, bought a burnt pie. <laughs> uh, do you know? It's 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 uh, they're not always burnt, but sometimes they are. Um, but um, but it's, just, it's one of those where it's just like you've not been you've not been in that world, so you're away from it. So therefore, you feel like 
you know there's question marks all the time and you just don't you don't feel that connection um, and it's even worse compounded by the fact that we haven't won the league for the first time in in 10 years um, so that's just going to completely exacerbate the situation I think Kevin Graham uh, speaks very passionately about the PLC. I heard him yesterday talking about it and he comes in to say what the PLC need to realise that almost all of the 30,000 refunds for 2019-20 were taken in protest. They only listen when they need money or we are just ignored. Jamie Murphy also comes in to say that uh, Celtic TV shows live video outside the UK and he pays 12.99 for the privilege. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. And I think that the club could put Celtic TV as part of a package, uh, this membership package. And, you know, you could also have loads of other content, let's be honest, um, you know, exclusive content to people who are part of the membership scheme. You've got digital programmes, digital Celtic views, various other things that could be thrown into the mix. And, and there you go. You're a, a member, it could be a couple of hundred quid a year, and you are contributing to the club, even though you can't be there uh, week on week. As you say, JP, there was maybe a four-year period where you couldn't be at Celtic Park, and it happens a lot of the time. It's work, it's finances, it's life, it's marriage what, breakups, various other reasons. I think what Kev said there is true about the protest thing. Do you think 30,000 people actually went... That, that figure wasn't an official club figure. If I remember right in the fans' forum that it was a, a fan who came up with that figure, but nobody disputed it. So I'm still a wee bit uncanny about 30,000 refunds. I don't know if that's like, as many as that. Even if it was, like, say say it was 15,000 people, like, took the refund, How you cannot possibly know the re, the, those that person or those people's reasons for, for, for asking for the refund. I don't think you could just surmise that it was, like, some sort of anti-Celtic thing. It was just like, oh, well, screw yous. You know, users making a mess of things or whatever. I'm, I'm going to get my money back. I, I think it could, you know, given that the time period of when that happened, I think it could very well have been the fact that people were simply struggling. financial. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that hundred pound could have been the difference between putting a, a a dinner on the table as opposed to not. Do you know? I mean, I know that sounds a bit extreme, but it could be. You know. Well, it has been. It's been extreme yeah. times, JP. So th- these are we are living. This is a thing we are living in, in bizarre times at the moment. And you know, I just don't think the club have reacted that well to that. I, you know, no. people people continually say, Declan, about. I feel though as though the club has constantly used, and they did it in the fans forum, constantly used COVID almost as being the overarching reason for just about everything. Um, and the argument is always, but everybody's dealt with it. Every club has dealt with it. We just didn't deal with it all that well. Mm. Uh, the other thing before we move on, because I don't want to constantly go on about the season ticket launch and the disconnect between the board but there was another uh, development just before the renewals uh, Declan and that was all around the fact that there was a proposal from the Celtic Trust who uh, were part of Celtic Shared uh, along with the Green Brigade who had been liaising with various groups. They had spoken to a Celtic state of mind. We offered our platform so that a lot of the groups could come together and a Q&A session which was very um, um, well attended and enlightening as well in terms of what the plan was but their proposal was knocked right out of the park um, do you think that the club always knew that it was going to come to this and I'm going to give you an example right sorry for using Michael Jackson as an example but I remember reading this story whereby there was a cancel. It wasn't his final cancellation of his gigs, obviously. There was a massive cancellation of gigs. And I think um, his accountant had said to him that, you know, if we need to refund this, uh, or, well, if we're in breach of contract or if we need to refund all this money, we are knackered financially. So they came up with this plan that Michael Jackson would hand-sign every single refund. Right, and the vast majority of Michael Jackson fans thought that the the signature was worth more than the ticket. Therefore, they didn't ask for a refund; they kept the the, the check, uh, and and it was a PR masterclass by him and his team. And I think that along with the the refund, what you're going to be getting is it's going to be sent to you in such a way that it's almost a thank you certificate uh, done in such a way that a lot of people won't want to cash it in as well, JP, so they're playing on the kind of heartstrings. But that came to mind just before I was speaking there about the Celtic Trust, uh, Declan. And what's your thoughts on that? Because that's now dead in the water, I would guess. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Um, I'm not a Celtic Trust member, but again, as I've said before, the one of the biggest fans organisations so they had to come up with a proposal and engaged with the club with that proposal and um, that obviously looks as if it's been 
kicked down the road, which again, you know, maybe people will ask, you know, maybe maybe not agree with what was actually included in it, but they had to come up with something. And I don't know how their communication has been with the club and how clear the club have been, whether or not they seriously were considering it or even wanted to, you know, put, put out the olive branch and try and work together in something that, you know, would have appeased everybody. I know that's very difficult to do, but, you know, might have been something that they could have looked at. Um, again, it probably asks more questions about fan engagement and how much involved fans are involved in a club because Celtic Trust have a lot of members. There's a lot of people that are part of it that want the Trust to, to represent their views. But I'd imagine now that that's probably the part which will, again, frustrate a lot of supporters and only right to do so because they're part of a fans' organisation and the fact that, you know, maybe the club haven't been willing to work alongside that fans organisation. Again, I'm not too privy to the details of it, but uh, I imagine frustrate a lot of people. Now, there's plenty of comments coming through and I will uh, try my best to go through them. One of the points I've seen quite a bit on social media is the fact that, you know, £50 in the shop, obviously we're, we're buying it um, at uh, RRP, but the club are, are bringing it in or producing it at a far lower cost. Obviously, you know, any kind of uh, voucher that you're going to get works in, in such a way as well, Declan. And, I, you know, I'm looking at the, the wider fan base and I just feel, you know, in a nutshell, the way I would describe this is it lacks creativity. Um, there was there was no real, for me, liaison with the fans. There was no real engagement with the fans. You know, a fans forum, maybe a week or a week and a half before the announcement. What difference was the fans forum going to make? Because a decision's been made by that stage, you know. Um, and when I asked. JP the, the question around Eddie Howe it's because I do feel that and I've said this before um, yeah there are people among us who were looking at this situation maybe two or three seasons ago and preparing banners to say don't sleep at the wheel you know they, they foresaw they foresaw this happening um, whereas when you're winning and you're winning well and you're winning treble after treble um, you know it airbrushes a lot of the, the blemishes away doesn't it and and the successful side of things washes away the concerns and a lot of the other stuff that's happening and, and I totally get that and that's what I'm saying that uh, now more than ever we need an announcement on Eddie Howe I don't think it's going to happen before the end of this week because of the contractual situation JP so we will con- continually discuss it until it does happen but I will confirm, no Peter Grant, because he's going to be going to the Pars. Um, other ex-Celts, you've already mentioned one, John Hughes, JP, Malky McKay has caused hmm. quite a stir. Uh, Ross County are interested in him. Um, the managerial merry-go-round continues, and I think, again, that contributes to the concern because there's a lot of um, quite attractive jobs down south. I'm going to tie this into something that Andy Robertson said. He did an interview, an exclusive interview, and he's talking about his career, and he says, my aim is to finish at Love Liverpool, but I know how tough it is to stay at the highest level, and that's why I'd love to play for Celtic. Now, <laughs> see when you see that written down, and he was talking to Peter uh, Peter Martin at the time. When you see that written down, you think, "Wow, you know what I mean?" It's like once I'm not quite good enough to play, I might come and play with Celtic. Now, I love the fact that he's a massive Celtic fan. Don't get me wrong, but what that for me epitomises is the fact that if there's an opportunity down south. No matter where your heart lies, right, there is always that opportunity. There is always a chance that they'll go there. And I think that's my biggest concern. When I see more and more jobs becoming available down south, um, I think the right job for Eddie Howe is Celtic. I don't think he's entry-level in English footballs as high as it will be if it comes to Celtic and he's a success, JP. But this is something we've constantly wrestled with, isn't it? The, the vultures from down south. And we're going to be wrestling with that when it comes to player retention this summer as well, including Chris Iyer, who you've mentioned, and potentially even David Turnbull. Well, yeah, I certainly don't want to see. I don't think David Turnbull's Celtic career has uh, has even began. Really, I mean, he, he's what played half a season. I mean, he only came into the team in, the, in November, didn't he? So it's not he's not he's not even really played a full season, and he's certainly not played in a rip roaring, free free scoring, never boring <laughs> Glasgow Celtic team. Brilliant. Um, but uh, I can't believe I remembered that. Jeez, oh, we should get a uh, gong for every single time somebody uh, says that and just ring uh, the bell. That's that's obviously uh, buried in my head now. Um, but I, the, on the Andy Robertson thing, it's just like, well, I, listen, I, I've got no uh, 
uh, ill feeling towards Liverpool. So, um, uh, you know, fair play to him saying that. And I like the fact that he's a Celtic fan as well. But it does seem a wee, wee bit weird to say, you know, at the highest level, so I would go and play in Scotland. It's like, well, a Celtic just not going to be competing in Europe in that season then, because you know that's that's a higher level. So if you're if you're saying, oh, I'm good enough to play in Scotland, but I'll just sit out the European games because <laughs> I'll be thirty four, thirty five, or whatever, and I can't even bomb up and down the wing anymore. Um, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of like players uh, using Celtic as a kind of a romantic kind of. Knackers yard for their career, you know. We want, we want to be we want to be signing players at their best and or, or developing them to be to be at their best. Um, I think it would completely go against. It's like the idea of Man United signing Ronaldo. Part of me would like that. I think it would be cool to see Ronaldo play for United again. But it's not really a forward-thinking transfer strategy, is it? To just go out and sign a. 36-year-old just because he was once brilliant for your club and, and admittedly has been brilliant for all the clubs he's played for since but I just uh, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not into that well let's flip it a wee bit then uh, Declan so obviously uh, yeah <laughs> let, let's do the Boise let's do the Boise flip um, Brendan Rodgers you know, there's a guy who I'm pretty sure at the time it comes to Celtic, there were other offers. I'm pretty sure there were other offers and some of those would have been from from England. Because, I mean, your stock rises and drops and it fluctuates time and time again down there. But uh, he came when his stock, I think, was, was relatively low, uh, granted. But, um, you know, he was yet to reach his peak as a manager. And I think that the problem I've got with players talking about Celtic as if as JP rightly says it's an old knackers yard I had the same feeling when Roy Keane signed and I know Roy Keane was a class player I know that right he was brilliant he was an absolute legend uh, but by the time he signed you know the injuries had caught up with them and it was like right I've got a wee itch I need to scratch here and Celtic are that itch you know Brendan Rodgers he still had his peak years ahead of him when he came to Celtic so sorry but I'm going to say that I think that there's a wee bit of credit back then I'm not rewriting history here and I know what happened after it and the way that it happened but at least he did come whilst he was still a young up and coming manager didn't he? Yeah it wasn't a, a swan song at the end of his career to, you know, I know he brought in Colo Toure with him as well who's probably the last swan song player that we've had but again the big man did alright when he came in at first and was, was solid, I think. We played in that 5-1 game against the uh, Rangers. Um, so, yeah, I think it just depends. I mean, Andrew Robertson, you know, he is a Celtic fan and I'm sure he'd probably like to, to play for Celtic one day, but if it's when he's 35 and done, I don't, I don't really think that's a player that would be signing because, you know, again, it's no secession planning. It's just bringing them in for the sake of to maybe sell jerseys. I mean, I will admit, as a six-year-old, I did have a, a keen 16 jersey, but, I mean, <laughs> what, what difference did that make? So, yeah, um, nah. It didn't make any difference at Clyde, I can tell you that. No, it never <laughs> made any difference at Clyde. And, um, yeah, I just think it depends on where the player is at and if they've still got it in them. I mean, if Andrew Robertson's maybe saying at 32, he's going to come up here and he's still got something in the tank, OK. But not when he's knackered and he's got bad injury problems but again as you say Paul I think Celtic can still be a decent um, you know kind of midway point for some people like Brendan Rodgers and other players who can come up here and do a job and then get a move elsewhere it's still there to, to be that club so yeah I'm Andrew Robertson, we'll just see what happens in the next 10 or so years, maybe. Yeah, we, we shall see. Um, I, I've been reading quite a few reports, obviously, because of the time of year it is, around the comings and goings at Celtic Park, and there's going to be many. Um, maybe the figure over your shoulder gives us an indication of how many, JP. <laughs> but um, I'm not quite sure, actually, what the situation is with uh, Olivier and Cham. Uh, you know, I read the initial report that we all seen that he, his contract had been terminated, which I found bizarre uh, from a business perspective. Mm. Uh, but there are obviously players that I feel have regressed a massive, uh, a massive way in terms of their performances, and also unfortunately for the club, the transfer fees. So you mentioned Dyer before, JP eight million quid. I mean, when AC Milan were reportedly interested, and Maldini actually spoke about Chris Ayer, they were talking about twenty million quid. 
by the way, that's not my figure. That that was the, the speculation at the time. Uh, but I have seen with interest over the last 24 hours the Republic of Ireland under-21 manager talking about Luca Connell's last two years being wasted at Celtic because uh, Neil Lennon didn't play him. I mean, how many players do you feel regressed um, under Lenny? I think, you know, when you're looking at the likes of even in Cham, for example, there was a huge regression in, in Cham. And I would even throw Callum McGregor into that into that pot as well JP uh, the new incoming manager do you think that we will start seeing that uh, momentum building again and the players like McGregor getting back to somewhere like their best we've seen it under Rodgers didn't we we've seen it you know players that, that stood up to the to the uh, plate we've seen it under Martin O'Neill as well famously so do you think that we actually need that when you look at the players coming and going we need four or five um, of the players that we would normally have relied on but who weren't really at the races last season to come to the fore? If they stick, if they stick around to be part of it, then yeah, absolutely. Want you know, I'd like to think that uh, the introduction of a new coach and new methods and new standards would 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 uh, would convince them to stay. See, when you just when you say when you link like Neil Wenn to Luke O'Connell, you just you wonder was Luke O'Connell Neil Wenn signing? You know, I mean. You put the two and two together because of the Bolton connection, and think, well, yeah, maybe he must, maybe he knew of him from Bolton. Maybe did he pull on a connection at Bolton to get him? Um, but these sort of backstories to all these players would be fascinating to know how how they came about to be Celtic players. Because if he was a Neil Wennon signing, and then he didn't, like you say, didn't play him for two years, and now you've got the, the under twenty one coach coming out and and uh, sort of slating Celtic almost for not having developed the player. Whose fault is that? Like, who, who, whose finger do we, whose finger do who, what, who do we point the finger at? Should I say um, for Luke O'Connell's uh, not demise, but you know, uh, sort of uh, stuttering Celtic career because he yeah. was brought, he was brought in as somebody who'd played a hand a number of games in the Championship, highly rated, international. Um, and just didn't get a sniff. And, you know, by all accounts, he's playing well at Queen's Park. You would expect him to um, at that level. But, um, yeah, well, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him get a chance next season, as well as, you know, Lee, Lee O'Connor and, uh, you know, some of the other players as well that have been out on loan. Um, but, but we can't be surely relying on these guys to get us into the Champions League. There's going to need to be serious, serious signings brought in if we have any. Uh, any designs on getting into the Champions League this season and whoever we bring in to get us there in the July and August it's overall getting us there and getting through those ties when we get there we're going to be up against the big guns and we could end up in a group like we were in before Um, I mean this is a long way down the road obviously but I mean you know PSG, Real Madrid, all of that, you know, they're all there. You can't hide from them when you go into the Champions League. It's not as if you can go, oh, well, we might get an all right group. When have we ever had an all right group in the Champions League? We never get an all right group. Every, every group is a group of death, isn't it? Aye, totally. Um, um, yeah, I mean, Connell's career has stalled, but I think, Declan, that many players' careers have stalled and you know I hear the the old uh, excuse I'm going to say it's an excuse that well that's not Neil Lennon's fault because the players are uh, big boys they should be able to to do it themselves I don't subscribe to that I think you know if that's the case then why have a manager the manager is there to manage to coach to develop to motivate of course he is and I I just think that uh, we're now going to see a situation where uh, quite a few of these guys are probably going to be lost to Celtic Um, but you're hoping that someone like Eddie Howe can come in and revive the careers, and I think specifically of Callum McGregor. Yeah, I, I think in terms of regression, you know, I, I think under the first season under Neil Lennon, a few players did get a bit better, in my opinion. Anyway, I thought in Cham was, but was very good at that turn of the year. We saw Griffiths come back, revitalised Edward, was banging goals in for fun. Um, so a few players, I would say, in that first season came on a wee bit, but certainly in the past year, one hundred percent, a lot of players have stalled her or went backwards but in terms of younger players I think we've probably you know saw just too much of a focus in the first team and not given younger guys a chance to break through and obviously Stephen Welsh is probably the only guy that's um, that's did that but yeah I think you do need to give younger players that pathway and opportunity into the first team it's something that's incredibly 
important at the end of Brendan Rodgers first season I remember he played a game and he played Anthony Ralston and Mikey Johnson to just kind of introduce him into the first team he sparingly used him after that but there does need to be a clear pathway from youth in the first team and I hope Luca Cono can follow that pathway as well as the other guys JP says you know like Leo Connors, when I think we all forget about again, Republic of Ireland International. Mm. Who signed this guy and why is he just not spoken about? He's, he's nowhere near the, the first team. So I would like to see a, a clearer pathway for, for players. And there's still, I think, players there that we've maybe wrote off this season. Or the report the other day and, and Tom Rogic. Now, the big man's probably not had a tune out in about two and a half years. Um, but when he's on form, we know how good a player he is. I know you're a big fan, Paul. You were talked him up last season when he came back into the team and looked as if he's had his old touch back so again you know if he's turning down a steal and wants to stay and buy into the plan there's no reason why we can't write off even players that we've, we've looked at and thought no, are they dead within the squad now so I think that there's plenty of places up for grabs at Celtic but from youth to even senior pros I think there's still plenty of time and a chance to be developed under a, a, a new manager yeah, I think the, the people who are making the decisions are the same uh, people who decided to buy Liam Shaw. You know, there, there is this, mm. this, you know, behind the scenes operation. Um, and a big part of that would have, I guess, have been uh, Nicky Hammond, who's, who's obviously had a, a massive part to play in a lot of these signings as well. Now, Stephen uh, comes in on YouTube, Stephen Coulter, to say spot on JP should not be postcode, will not be fair. Uh, an interesting point. Scott Howe wants to know um, if you can use the voucher in farm foods asking for a friend. Uh, we should see. Also, the uh, point coming in from Joe Glenn, if anyone thought the crowds would be back last year, must have missed the memo. Well, the club did because, yeah. I mean, even down to the contract we had with regard to what they called Sunset and Vine, production team mm. behind the Celtic TV stuff, they thought, well, well, we'll have that contract up to December, but we won't renew it beyond that because we'll be back in the stadium um, mm. in some way, shape or form. And that's why, obviously, after uh, the December there was a, a, a change in the way that the the uh, footage was produced and the presentation team uh, was put in place, etc. So uh, you mentioned Tommy Rogic, Declan McConville. That's a brilliant segue into uh, the fact that it's the 27th of May. Uh, when Before we came on, I said, it's synonymous with a, a great day for me in my Celtic support and life. Um, and as it's a Thursday, let's do a throwback Thursday. And the day I'm talking about is the 27th of May, 1995. Um, now that was the first season JP that I got a season ticket but the season ticket was at Hamden for 1994-95 and I was under 16 and I think it cost me something like £95 that's hmm. how much my season ticket was my first season ticket back then uh, but that Scottish Cup final uh, for me will live long in the memory one nothing. Adrianians ninth minute header by the aforementioned Pierre Van Hooydonk from a Tosh McKinley cross. JP, talk to me about your memories of that game, that side, that moment of Celtic history, where we were looking forward um, to and where we had come from. Uh, well, I, I, I was absolutely gutted not to get a ticket for the for the final. Um, I'd exhausted my my uh, my contacts, which at the time were, were limited. They were mainly limited to my friend Mark Heaney. All right, Heaney, if you're watching, uh, cheers for all the tickets back in the early nineties. <laughs> Where's Mark Heaney from? Is he uh, from Greenock? No, no, Whitburn. no. Mark Heaney. His dad's John Heaney. Uh, John Heaney Electrical have been long time sponsors of Celtic. Um, in fact, on the old. Um, Remember the old digital board at Celtic Park, the, the yeah. orange and black? It was like black with orange. Uh, GHE used to come up, the GHE logo, the John Heaney logo used to come up on that. And I'd be like, oh, that's, that's Heaney's dad. I, I know that guy. And and John Heaney used to coach a football team as well, Paul Beth. Um, so that was my that was my, my, my brief foray into into football was, was Paul Beth. Uh, played in red, white, and blue as well, which is a bit controversial. Oh but uh, but I so I didn't get a ticket for the final. I watched it with my dad in our in our house in Bathgate, and uh, I remember just like when Pierre scored, I just went absolutely bananas because I thought, surely to God, we're not going to blow a second final because I'd been at the Coca Cola Cup final, had managed to get a ticket for that, and uh, obviously that was devastating. <laughs> so uh, I thought as soon as we scored that goal and. 
I just couldn't see us losing a, a game with that with Pierre and the team. I don't know. I just for some reason I just knew it was going to be all right. I didn't think it was going to be as terrible a game. I thought when we scored one, I thought we'd go and score two or three. But I think the tension probably just got to a lot of people. There's so much pressure on them. On them. We hadn't won a trophy for what six years. Yeah. Um, and it was just, uh, but the relief at the end was was amazing. And I'll, I'll never forget watching the scenes with with Tommy Burns and. Uh, Peter Grant, Charlie Nick in his suit with his massive hair. I know. And, uh, <laughs> um, aye, it was great. It was great. Can you remember Van Hooydonk's celebration that day? Did he not do that? He done the old uh, Hulkamania <laughs> thing, aye. Can you hear me? Um, now, you said that you couldn't imagine Celtic losing the game with Van Hooydonk. He had made a really good impression. That was his ninth goal of the season on the ninth minute. Mm. But um, we did have Mark McNally playing centre-half wearing a white headband. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. You're talking about dodgy Charlie Aye. Nick here. I mean, that had nothing on Mark McNally's fosh that day. Um, <laughs> now, that was before your time, Declan, wasn't it? Yeah, my, my, my time. I, I, I travelled through to that game on Jockey Munion's uh, bus that left from High Valleyfield, but uh, picked me up in Blair Hall in, in Fife. And I remember at the end of the game, you, you mentioned Nicholas there and he had his suit on. A few of the guys did. Tony Mowbray had his suit on as well, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and they were doing the lap of honour. And we were, my actual seat on that game was row one. Uh, you know, so I was right there anyway. And people were jumping on the, the park. I've told this story before and they're invading the pitch. And at that time, what age was I? 16. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, you know, um, scared in case I got into trouble. And this guy was like virtually pushing me onto the pitch, JP, right? And I looked around, they had Jack Duckworth glasses on, right? The Opal. Republic of Ireland jersey, and he, he oh, was he was I mean, from he was over from Ireland in this hair, and he's like, "Come on, me man, on you go, on you go." I thought, "Mate, I'm not doing that." Ah, and he shoves me out the roads, and he jumps over the wee wall, and on the park he goes. You see him disappearing <laughs> into the distance, right? And I'm like, ah, "No, I'm all right here. I'm fine here." And I remember the the lap of honour, and and Charlie Nick was singing at the top of his voice, "The fields of Arthur and Ryan, right, along with the crowd. So that night, as was the way. Again, Declan, uh, this was before your time. My mother had taped the game on VHS. I had to go home and watch it, obviously. And at the end of the game, I'm looking at all the celebrations. And then I see this guy with a Republic Island top and Opal. We, he's been huckled. He's got his arm up his back and the <laughs> police are taking him off the pitch. And I'm just sitting there going, thank God it wasn't me. Imagine a night in the cells as a 16-year-old. No, thank you. Uh, but the 27th of May, you've spoken about Tommy Rogic, Declan. You remember the date for Big Tommy, don't you? Yeah, um, Invincible Cup final, the real Invincibles. Um, that was a real, real special day, a real, real special weekend. It all kicked off. We, we celebrate 67 at the Hydro, which is a really good night. Then I was at, I think GP was at the lunch in the, the Hilton the day after with the Lisbon Lines, which is another really special occasion. And then Cup final day on the Saturday. And I remember thinking when Johnny Hayes scored, oh no. Don't do this to me. And then right away, Stuart Armstrong bashed in a goal and you know it was cagey. You remember that chance that Aberdeen got? Callum McGregor got fired to left back and they went off and it looked as if they were a cert to score and they missed. Was it Shinny? It might have been Shinny, it might have been uh, Hayes, it might have even uh, been McGinn. Um, mm. And then, you know, just the goal, remember, just this big, mazy run and then thinking, oh, 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 and then banging and then just, I think I ended up four rows in front of me. Um, just mental probably the best day supporting Celtic ever just absolutely incredible and amazing to complete an invincible treble is just wow and <laughs> you know I don't think I'll ever experience unless Celtic get to European final especially a day is that again you know the thing with that Declan is the impact uh, that, that Brendan Rodgers made and we've seen the the behind the scenes changing room footage the year later against Motherwell and the team talk and, and the way that he was able to elevate certain players you know uh, we speak about some of the players that improved at Celtic throw in Sinclair you know in terms of his own career and how he improved at Celtic under Brendan Rodgers as well Scott Sinclair and I know that he dipped off nearer the, the maybe the last 18 months of his Celtic uh, career but you're looking at that kind of impact now what I'm going to ask you Declan is fast forward a year what are you want what is your ambition for Celtic this season because we spoke about ambition before uh, you know when we were talking about Villarreal and what they've achieved what is your ambition this time next year for Celtic, what will you be satisfied with? I think, you know, it's to be successful in both the domestic game and in European front. So that would 
to me translate to winning the league if we win a cup to me that's always an added bonus but it's always nice to get a cup over the line it's very difficult as we've seen this season to, to get through cup competition unscathed what we've completed in the past four years has been incredible and then again do well on the European front to me that isn't just qualifying to a group stage it's getting to you know if we get to the Champions League group stage is okay maybe depending on the group but certainly if you get to Europa League you know, Champions League dropping in by third place into Europa League would be to win a, a knockout tie after Christmas would probably be a good start. So, something like that. But to be successful both in the domestic game and in Europe should always be the, the target. I think it's imperative next year that we do win the league title for the stakes that it raises in terms of getting into the Champions League the, the season afterwards. My uh, normal kind of level of success that, and I'm not going to say I expect from Celtic, but the standard that I think Celtic should aspire to is we win the league every season. That's what I think should always be the main target. But we should also win a domestic cup and also be in Europe beyond Christmas. That's always the kind of targets in my mind. So if you imagine going for four seasons, winning a treble every single year, JP, they've exceeded what my expectations would be. I think the events of the last year have kind of uh, put a downer on that somewhat because I'm now sitting here and thinking, well, in a year, um, if and when we have a discussion similar to this, as long as we've won the league... I'm going to be happy with that this time round, at this moment in time, because we are on a rebuild and it might take a year or two, maybe even longer, before the yeah. kind of standards that I thought Celtic aspired to um, are reattained. I mean, what's your thoughts on that, JP? Would you be happy that we retain the league title? Because it's a massive rebuild, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, the league title was the priority, just, well, uh, not least to, to shut a lot of people up uh, who think that we are now and regression and all the rest of it. So, uh, but also just for the the, the stature, you know, um, hearing a lot about fifty five, you know, we've got an opportunity to to equal that and surpass it. So, um, yeah, that, that as well. European wise, uh, I think obviously the the Holy Grail is the Champions League. Everyone wants to play there, but I would quite happily uh, forgo the Champions League to re-establish ourselves first of all in the Europa League this season we've got a lot of wrongs to right from last season but we were absolutely battered by a team and a club that shouldn't have laid a glove on us really you know I mean I'm sorry but can you imagine a Brendan Rodgers or a Martin O'Neill side losing 4-1 to Sparta Prague like home and away, no chance, no. absolutely no chance. I think it was that that was a such a low. You know, you talk about lows last season. That that that's a huge one for me. It was just it was one of those ones where you just felt something's not right here, and the, the, there's a disturbance in the force here because we shouldn't be. This shouldn't be happening. So um, yeah, that would be my that would be my basically to 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 complete a Europa League group where we know that we've given it our all and we can hold our heads high as a, as a support and as a club. You know, if we're beaten by better teams, fine, but we can't be beaten by better, uh, you know, uh, smaller and provincial teams like Sparta Prague. No disrespect to them, but I mean, we should be taking care of teams like that. And an understrength, an understrength Sparta Prague, they were, by the way. They were, they were, they were, they were, they were, youth team. I know, that's, that's a shocker. I mean, that... that 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 should if it doesn't haunt those players it should because it certainly haunts me. It um, should haunt those in the boardroom who didn't make a decision after yeah, it as well. Totally, totally. It really should. Anyway, lads, that's been tremendous as always on a before, Thursday. I, I could speak up. Oh, what we got here? There we see, go. See, you said about the Michael Jackson ticket. Yeah, I've still got my Nirvana ticket. Is I that never, the Barras? No, no, SECC. It never happened. I never got my refund. So, like you said, if if somebody's smart about it, then. Uh, Quite a lot of people didn't get their refunds for that. That was twelve pound fifty. It should have been my first gig, nineteen ninety four. Wow! Now and, I uh, can't I can't read all the text, JP. But is it Sebado who were the support band? Sebado. Is- for for years, I thought the the support band were called Sebado and the Raincoats. I didn't realise there were two separate bands. <laughs> um, but that was the, my my naivety as a as a music fan. I was only interested in Nirvana really at that time. But obviously, tragically, the gig didn't happen. Uh, you could have got a refund for your ticket. My mate went and got his, and they ripped his ticket in two and gave me £12.50 back, and I kept mine, and it's been in that frame ever since. So How much is it worth now, JP? I've never had it valued, but I've, I've, a few people have offered me money for it, and I, there's no way I would sell it. It's just it's, 
that's that that should have been my first gig. I mean, I don't know how good the gig would have been. Nirvana at the SECC, who knows? I mean, my my boss at, at DF, Dave McGeekin, saw Nirvana at the QMU, and uh, I can only imagine how amazing that must have been. And he never misses an opportunity to remind me that he saw them. Oh, you see, you see Nirvana at QMU in '91, JP? No, no, like, no, no, Geech, I was eleven. Like, uh, so, it's no excuse, JP. No, I excuse. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, brilliant. But there you go. There's the point. Exa- exactly there in the Sebado. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing you, you eventually got into oh, the yeah. Sebado as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Now, it is always a pleasure on a Thursday. We will be back. And when we are next week, the number over your shoulder will be 47. But hopefully by that stage, JP, we will have an announcement and it will be Eddie Howe. I look forward to seeing what that jersey is going to be. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved in the, the, the discussion on YouTube, Facebook and on Twitter. And thank you to Declan and JP for joining me once again on A Celtic State of Mind. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.